But I'm going to stop talking about all that right now because I'm going to talk to Julian McCullough because he's calling. Julian? Yes. Is that is this you, Julian? It is. It is I. It's not another Julian. This is the Julian that's at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy. There's only, there's only two in comedy, and I'm the white one. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, we know a couple of Julians, so, uh, and we know a couple of Julians. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, we know a lot of people. But this is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, who has just uh, called in right now. Uh, and thank God, too, because, Julian, I was just rambling on about Murder Mountain. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm glad I interrupted you. Everyone is. Everyone is. <laughs> uh, we've got a Julian McCullough. I am pronouncing that correctly, am I not? You are. You're doing great. And it's Tony... Visick. Oh, yeah. I would have said Visich. Okay. Everybody would. Everybody would. Yeah. As, as a matter of fact, I think that would be the proper pronunciation. But an odd thing, there's an H on the end. Uh, when my people supposedly came over here from Eastern Europe, uh, I, I don't want to say that they were not bright, but they thought by putting an H on the end of it, a V-I-C-I-C, they were Americanizing it. So ah. and that was never explained to me. I would ask, and they go, shut up and bring your grandpa a beer. So, uh, <laughs> hey, well, in a way, that is an explanation. It is. It is. You know what? It's, uh, uh, you know what? That should be the new American slogan. Shut up yeah. and bring me a beer. <laughs> Everybody can use it. Everybody. Boys, girls. What is Murder Mountain? Murder Mountain. Okay, that's cool. We, I was talking about how Netflix is um, uh, destroying uh, America because uh, – follow me real quick. That uh, old-style old TV, there were commercial breaks where you could go to the bathroom and get a sandwich and talk. Yeah. Then mm -hmm. came cable where they would show an entire movie nonstop, but there would still be a break between the movies. Yeah. But now with Netflix, no break. No right. break. It just goes on and on and on. It's, it's like that old uh, – a kid show song, the song that never ends. It's like the song that never yeah. ends. Yeah. And my wife and I stayed up till some ungodly hour last night watching Murder Mountain, which is a documentary, docuseries. It's fascinating about an area in Humboldt County where uh, people are kind of off the grid, but they grow a lot of pot. And, you ah. and also hundreds of people go missing because cops hardly ever go up there, so they have their own law. And you watch the, um, you actually watch Are the- Are you sure they're not missing because they're, they're so high they just get lost? Well, some of them, yes. <laughs> then some of them get killed. Some of them get killed. Ah, right. But, and what you're really seeing is a uh, 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 fascinating, the deconstruction of the counterculture from the late 60s when the first group of people went up there and go, we're just going to live off the land, man. And they did right. to now a bunch of people who just kill each other and drive around on quads and uh, are illiterate. It's it stunning. sounds like Mad Max. It is. You know, yeah. As a matter of fact, they reference that. The cops go up there, and all of a sudden, the cops are surrounded by guys on quads with masks. And one cop goes, <laughs> one cop starts to go for his gun. The other cop goes, this is just the way they are up here. <laughs> so if you're looking for a good way to uh, not sleep for about six, seven hours, I suggest Murder Mountain. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to go there. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Have you, you ever been, have you ever been to Humboldt? I remember to Humboldt. I went to college for one semester at Sonoma County. So that's like uh, right there. Winoville, yeah. My, yeah. Uh, my... And, uh, it was so boring because, you know, when you're, when you're 18, you want to drink. And those kids are just so high, they could barely talk to each other. Nobody did anything. I'll tell you a true story. When my daughter was going to go to college um, 10, 12 years ago, and I was, I was taking her on a little college tour. You know, you go from this college and that college. Uh, one of the schools that had accepted her was um, um, Humboldt State, 
Okay, I forget the yeah. exact name. So we went up there and we checked. Oh, and I played up there as a comic like 25, 30 years ago. They used to have a couple of uh, show nights up there. But we go up there and when we're leaving, I go, what do you think? She goes, no, I can't go to school. I don't want to school, go to school here. I go, why? Because you'll start smoking pot? She goes, no, because I'll be the only one not on pot. She goes, dad, did you? Yeah. She goes, everybody. She goes, dad, everybody there was high. She goes, every professor you talked to. Because I'm kind of out of touch with that now. But um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember my English teacher was a, uh, he had hair down to his ass. Um, he was awesome. He was uh, half Native American. Mm-hmm. And he, you, if your paper was late, he was like, hey, man, what's time? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, that's so crazy. That's what my essay is about. <laughs> so I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, I could get lost here. So I moved to Rutgers, New Jersey, which is like the drinking capital of New Jersey. And uh, everything was great. <laughs> so Rutgers, uh, you went from Sonoma to Rutgers. I mean, yeah. that's, that's like a lot of geography. What was the conscious thought behind that? Oh, what? it was terrible. So I was living in South Jersey. I went to high school in South Jersey. And everyone was going to Rutgers that didn't get into like Harvard or Yale, right? Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, and I, as a child, had lived in San Francisco. So I was like, I'm going to go back to San Francisco for school. I miss it. And I, it was before the internet, or maybe it wasn't, and I have no excuse, but I didn't realize that Sonoma was so far from San Francisco that I would never see it if I yeah. went there. So I literally made a huge life decision and went to a college across the country, got there, and I was like, oh, I'm in the wrong spot. <laughs> and I tried to, uh, I tried to enjoy it, but like, I swear to God, I'm not even joking. Like, the kids were so high that no, it was, I was, there was no, it was hard to make friends. Like, they were just so high. And uh, I was like, this isn't my speed. So I transferred back to Jersey and uh, accepted defeat and then loved it. You know, that's, my daughter went to Santa Cruz. Yeah. And, and, it was, it, and, she, and she, uh, does, you know, she doesn't use drugs. I mean, she doesn't. And I mean, she's a, she's a grown lady now. So it's not like. Yeah. But so she didn't use drugs and she was kind of isolated even in Santa Cruz. Only it wasn't quite as bad because she could at least make friends with like the kitchen staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so listen. Well, they're on a more go they're ahead. on a more social drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yes, you're our friend. So, uh um you went to Rutgers and then you put their college education to good use by hanging around the comedy cellar. I mean, is the, that Well, the Stress Factory was is the oh, club okay. there. And okay. uh that's a it's a it's a it's an awesome club. It's been there for I don't know now, 30 years almost. Yeah, it's um, well known. Legendary. And uh so I got a job seating the room and, you know, eventually hosting the weekends. And that's how I got started in comedy. And I, I graduated because my grandparents said they'd never talk to me again if I didn't. But I barely got out. I mean, barely. And then uh, never looked back and just did comedy. There used to be a philosophy. Uh, people were to college was uh, D's for degrees. I talked to a kid once and I go, what's that mean? He goes, no one looks at your grades. Right. <laughs> Unless did. you're going to grad school. Who cares? Yeah. He goes, you get your you, know? you get out, you have a good time. He goes, then you get your, you get your diploma and you go and get a job or something, man. The only, the only thing I regret about doing that is down to the wire, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm graduating. And like my, my grandparents had planned this whole party and everything. And I was like having stress dreams that I was going to have to cancel everything. Uh, but, but then I did get by and I was like, well, that was worth it because I played Patton the whole time. <laughs> Do you, find, do you find some odd thing? Was it some sort of universal thing, man, that you went through so much stress and then started your 
successful career at the Stress Factory? Yeah, that's true. It's a, I mean, it's a terrible name for a club, let's face it. Nobody yeah. wants to go to the Stress Factory, but uh, you know, he'll never change it, and he's convinced it's a good idea. Vinny Brand is the owner. And he gave me my start. I always give him credit for that. But, uh, but the, yeah, then I got into New York and got into the cellar because of Ken. And, uh, and then that was it. You know, that's, it, it became a movement in um, um, entertainment or bars and restaurants to name places what they used to be. Like, uh, yeah. uh, I think in, in New York, there's the, uh, what, the Knitting Factory? And yeah, the Knitting Factory was a thing. That was, uh, yeah. Han- I mean, Hannibal had a show there for a while, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but, yeah. You know, so they, I mean, they have music there and they have comedy there. When I was a, a kid growing up uh, outside of St. Louis in Illinois, there was a big nightclub called The Granary. And I was a kid, I, was, I wasn't even supposed to be there. I was only 17, but I was sneaking in. And I asked somebody, go, why was I said, why did you come up with the name Granary? And the guy goes, because it used to be a granary. I go, oh, okay. So <laughs> uh, the knitting factories, they knit it there. The comedy cellar, that, that's, it, at one time it was a cellar where you stored right. stuff. Okay, but what went on at the stress factory before? Was it just... Well, what? the reason... Oh, oh yeah. yeah ask you. Okay, yes. So the reason for the name, because people would ask him all the time, uh, because at the time he had three other businesses going. He was like doing landscaping and like house management, some other shit. I can't remember. I don't know if you're allowed to curse on this. Sorry. Yeah, you can. Yeah. But, uh, but he, uh, he had like three other businesses going. And then he opened a comedy club and everyone said, uh, why would you do that? You can barely sleep as it is. And he said, I don't know, just to give myself a little more stress. And then he called it the stress factory. Ah. Which I contend to this day is still not a good enough reason to call it the stress factory. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way it goes. All right. So you started Stress Value at the Rutgers, and then you have done um, a boatload of television. Yeah. Uh, I, a lot of it that's always true for most people. And, uh, you know, and now I've peaked in my restaurants in the comedy club at Phoenix. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's great. I love, I love this club. I love TNA. It's such a weird place that. They'll have, uh, there's so much nice stuff and horrible stuff. It's great. Like, you'll have, like, a country club, and then across the street, you can buy a machete at a vape store. It's insane. <laughs> it covers everybody. <laughs> Machetes and vape. That might be a good yeah. idea. I'm always looking for, I'm looking, I'm always looking to, uh, um, I'm always looking for that well, perfect combination of a retail store, and I like that one. Well, Tony, I hate to break your heart, but uh, it's already here. <laughs> it's, Damn it. It's in Phoenix. It's everywhere. <laughs> Damn it. I literally, this really happened. I go to buy a soda, and I look down, and in the glass case are machetes. And the lady goes, do you want anything else? And I go, yeah, I'll take a machete. And she goes, which, she goes, which one? And I was like, I'm joking. Do people impulse buy machetes? And she was like, you're visiting, aren't you? <laughs> I think that's the only way like, you buy a machete. If you're if you're not in the jungle, if you're not hacking through the jungle with like a jungle yeah. guide going, it's bad juju here, sir. You know, and with a, a beautiful woman whose hair never gets messed up as they go through yeah. the jungle. The only re- the only reason to have a machete is just for fun. That's true. And you know, you don't you don't leave the house thinking I'm gonna buy one, but then when you see one, you can't leave without it, you know? What's scarier, Julian? Someone who impulse buys a machete or someone who plans it? Well, we're gonna need some machetes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say planning it is pretty scary uh, but turns out all the planning you need in Phoenix is to go to the cashier so you know uh, <laughs> but yeah that's scary I think the guy that names his machete is the scariest 
<laughs> this is Karen. <laughs> is my machete Pauline? <laughs> what was it? I, what is it? I got hanging on a wall downstairs, Cheryl. Those are um, the karate swords. Uh, I got sword. I got swords, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy them. Um, someone I knew uh, was a marine in Okinawa, and as a gift, they brought me. Because uh, at the time, I was. I was. I wasn't. I was practicing karate, but I never got past the practice stage. Uh, right. I think I actually became the version of a tackling dummy in a karate class. <laughs> but you know, now kick him. So ow. So oh. So they were like, this guy needs a sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have, uh, I have two, um, whatever they are. They're not kung fu because that's Chinese swords hanging there. But every once in a while, I look at them and I go, why the hell do I have swords? That's kind of cool when you're in college. Good swords, man. You know, we yeah, cut. I think uh, I think it's a cool gift, but I'd probably get rid of those. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think if, if you ever get audited, uh, that's a that's a red flag. <laughs> I've been They're like this I've guy's up audited. to some shady shit. Yeah, yeah. I've been, you're trying to write off your swords. Well, you never know when you're gonna have to really cut <laughs> cut expenses. By expenses, I mean my business partner. <laughs> yeah, unless you want to, you should do a, a cable commercial where your prices are insane, and then you can cut the prices yeah. with your sword. With my, I'll call them swords. <laughs> I pronounce the W. So you didn't buy a machete? No, I did not. I did not trust myself. I'm going to guess. I think if you hold, I think if you hold one, it's all over because you're like, oh, this, yeah, this power. It feels good. You yeah. know what? Test, just test, test one out. Go back to uh, machetes and more. Is that the name of the I place? Might. Okay. I might try it out. Yeah. And uh, just hold one in your hand. I'm going to guess that you drove, that you drove here. I did. I drove. Last time I... I just lost you for a second. Oh, last time I flew, I didn't drive. All right. And I know that you drove because I know where Rick's club is, and there's like not a machete place on that street. <laughs> Rick's Club is on one of those. It's almost it's, uh, Disneyland. I was exploring. I was exploring. Yeah, and, uh, and you went. Found... You went west, which was a big mistake. Well, who knows? Who knows where I went? <laughs> Everything's surrounded by mountains. I feel like uh, you just drive forever towards a mountain and never get to it. It's the weirdest feeling here. <laughs> yeah, we. we have have... Ever... Go ahead. Have you ever uh, hiked in one of these uh, mountains? I have. Yeah, I have. Did you bring a sword? Um, no, I, you know, what I brought was a, a little Swiss army knife because I want to be prepared for anything. <laughs> yeah. You want to be prepared to, uh, screw in a, uh, uh, what is it? Oh, a flathead screw. Flathead, Phillips, all of them. All oh of man. Them. That's a nice knife. I want a corkscrew. I want a corkscrew. I want a flathead. I want a Phillips. Matter of fact, I and want to hike with a guy named Philip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when a mountain lion attacks you, you can uh, open his wine. I can't, you know what I can do is I can open the corkscrew like uh, the girl Alabama in the movie True Romance when she's mm-hmm. going to kill uh, the future Tony Soprano, if you know that's the film. That's true. She that's was, a good, I love that movie. Yeah, and she stabs him in the foot with a corkscrew. That's great. So, that's got to hurt. You know, <laughs> you don't want to do that more than once. It's like Ebola. You don't want to get that twice. <laughs> more than once. Thank you. I've had enough. <laughs> So you're there, uh, you're at Rick's place. Um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, uh, Guy Code, because Guy Code, I'm, I'm like old, it's, that was coming along, I was already an adult when Guy Code came out right. on MTV. Um, I actually was friends with some of the first 
MTV. Oh, sorry. The police. The police are here. They they there see me go. holding a machete in front of this Mimi's cafe. <laughs> Apparently, it's illegal to walk around with it. They're rushing to buy tickets to your show. Um, here's my here's my question. Why sell me the machete if I can't use it? That's right. You that's know. That's right. I guess well, I was supposed to buy a trench coat with it. Get a so trench coat. Well, <laughs> what it is, we get you a bunch of grapefruits. <laughs> Uh, oh, but Guy Code was, uh, yeah, that was a show. It's funny, I did that uh, a few years ago, and they keep playing it every day. Like, I get noticed for that show almost everywhere I go. It's got a great name. I, I filmed it so long ago, and it's just so weird that it's, like, still on the air. It's almost like I'm one of the friends. <laughs> <laughs> but with none of the money. <laughs> so, and Guy Code was where you laid out the rules for being a guy? Yeah, exactly, which I was not qualified for, but I didn't inform that. It's like I lied on my resume, and then they hired me anyway. <laughs> did, it, did it have great social impact? Uh, I actually quit because I was annoyed by the social impact. I realized that a lot of teenage kids were watching that show, and we were joking, but it was kind of, it was a little misogynist in places. And so, like, oh, man, I watched that show, and I learned so much from it. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> Don't learn from this show, and uh, it bugged me. And so after a couple of seasons, I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go." The producers and everything, but it just wasn't my taste. You know, I, I, I know it, there was a show, a radio show, many years ago with uh, Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla on. Oh uh, yeah, Loveline. Loveline, which basically, was, you know, Adam, a girl called him. Go, I just, I just can't stop sleeping with like everybody, and Adam Carolla go, "Yeah, well, why don't you?" Why don't you describe what that is exactly? <laughs> and then Dr. Drew go, you need help. And I go, yeah, but before you get help, describe it some more. And, I, <laughs> and you go, this is, this, it's radio pornography. That's what we have here. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. am I judging it, not judging it? I don't know. I, at the time. Yeah, but, but Tony, Tony, I wasn't on that show. That was... No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick you with that show. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put that. <laughs> I'm going to put it on Twitter and then it's over. I've met Drew. Was he jacked? He's like, like a brick shithouse. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he's something else. I don't. Is he a real doctor? Just like you know, Bill Nye, the science guy, isn't a scientist. Everything we've been told yes. is a lie. He's a real doctor. Doctor Drew is a real doctor. Yes. So if I like break a bone, I can go to him. Uh, I'm sure he'd give you some emotional advice for how to deal with <laughs> pain. But I don't think. He'd... And Adam would be like, uh, "Which bone are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Is it a bone or a boner?" Yeah. Or, uh... <laughs> and they also had a heroin addict on that show too. I forget his name. Poor man. I don't remember that. Poor man was a uh, a really popular DJ on uh, uh, the big kind of uh, what was the new wave alternative station at the time, still around K Rock K R O Q in Los Angeles, uh-huh. and then he was on the show for a while. But he had um, he had a, a little bit of an Artie Lang issue, so um, uh, then I think he dropped off the show. It was a hell of a show. I I remember seeing a few episodes of Guy Code going. But sometimes, you know, sometimes you want advice from a heroin addict because uh, they're going to think outside the box. You know what I mean? They're going to they're going to think outside of the neighborhood. They're going to show you. <laughs> they, you know what? You know, you know, one thing besides saying where to get good heroin, a heroin uh, addict can tell you where to buy machetes. Well, that's probably true. They can also <laughs> tell you how to nap standing up, which is uh, helpful <laughs> at the airport. <laughs> It's not nodding out. It's just really <laughs> maximizing your nap time. But, uh, you know the problem with heroin, don't you? I mean, there's a lot of problems, but why it, it still has an appeal because people on heroin sound so cool. 
Yeah. Hey, yeah, man. I mean, it's like they're the chill older brother. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on, baby. Just stand here, man. So they sound cool. So right. that's the appeal, I think. Yeah, it's got a there's a well, it was called heroin chic with a look for a while. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's still it's still very cool. And if you're not doing heroin, you are a dork. <laughs> you know, Keith Richards no longer does heroin, but still has. He did so much heroin that he is he is heroin incarnate. I actually read some of his book. Yeah, and I was I was fascinated by. It. He said that. He this he let the like um, legend around him grow. He didn't mind that he was getting that reputation, but he said that when everybody else would do eight lines, he would do one, and when everyone else would drink a whole bottle of whiskey, he would have two yeah. glasses. And so he was saying everyone thought he was partying as hard as they were, but he wasn't. He was like controlling it. So I don't know if I believe him, but it's got to be true because he's still alive. He. Uh... I just don't know anybody that could stop at that level you know what i mean like anybody who like has a little bit of heroin isn't like i'm i'm good <laughs> i guess i guess he uh there's a there's the movie exile on main street which is like a documentary that tour there's actually um he and mick jagger sitting backstage and whoever it is says to him off camera to go you know there's a deadpool and uh that saying when when celebrities will die and, and you can see that keith is totally fucked up and mick's a little embarrassed and and Keith goes, "Am I on it?" And he goes, "You're actually." Not. <laughs> and they say, "You're actually number one." He goes, "I'll get back to you on that." <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, man, I know um, as a comic, your your day is uh, absolutely full of uh, uh, productive activities from here all the way till showtime. So, absolutely, you know, uh, you actually do have. So uh, I. We just, yeah, we just cut out. Oh, okay. Am, yeah. I, am I back? You're back. You're back. Okay. You actually have what? No, I said, yeah, I actually have more press to do. So uh, Okay. All right. But this was my favorite so far. Thank you, Tony. Well, you are, you've been our favorite today. And because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing I'm the only one, but thank you. Hey, we want to tell everybody to go down and, and uh, check out your show. We, we have seen you on television. We have seen you on Guy Code and uh, the show with Whitney and... Uh, uh, this is a funny guy, and you guys want to check him out most definitely. He's at Rick Bronson's show, two shows tonight, two shows Saturday. Are you doing the Sunday show? Yeah, I'm doing a 7 o'clock Sunday show. And if you're, and you know what? And those are great shows to see. Those are no-stress shows. You get up there, and uh, it's a beautiful place. You want to check out the entire neighborhood, check out High Street, and uh, check out uh, Julian McCullough at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy, 5350 East High Street. That's the one sound effect I have. Uh, and uh, and you will have a who are you working with? Do you know who you're working with? Oh yeah, I brought my friend uh, Anthony Desimito. He's hilarious. He's a he's a gay Mexican fella, and he's the funniest dude. So I brought him, and he's he's staying with me in the condo, and hopefully nothing happens. We we know Anthony from when he very first started in Phoenix. We know him quite well. So yeah, uh, he's great. Uh, he's friends with like friends of ours out in LA, like Kirsten Alberts and a bunch of people. So uh, tell Anthony that we said hi. We've had he's actually, I will. He's actually been on the show before. So uh, okay. yeah, oh, great. He, tell Anthony we said hi, and we're going to come down and try to catch both of you at Rick's this weekend. Thanks a lot, Julian. All right. Thanks, John. Bye. Bye. Well, that was, uh, that was you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, um, you get spoiled. You get spurled interviewing comics. Like, yeah, you want to get in your vehicle? 
and you want to hightail it up to Rick Bronson's, uh, uh, up to uh, Rick Bronson's comedy club, you want to go on up there and uh, check out Julian McCullough. And then Monday, you want to come to the free intro, and then you can learn how to do it as well, or at least enjoy it more. For everyone in the room, and that includes uh, my wife, who happens to be my producer, I want to thank you for listening. We'll be back next Friday. We'll have more in store. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.